Merry Christmas, Church of the Beloved. Um, I'm so happy that you've come to join us today on this Christmas Sunday. Uh, and I want to thank the uh, Sneedon, Sneedon family for this week's reading. Uh, it's very cute, at least the kids. Uh, you know, I honestly believe that if we wanted to, the last three weeks of Advent readings, they absolutely could go viral because they've been a lot of fun to watch. And I have to give a mad shout out to Kevin and to Nick Hill for the amazing work they did pulling together, arranging, producing, and all of those of you who joined that virtual choir who stepped out of your comfort zone, stared into a camera, and just sang your house out, hearts out. It was so much fun to watch. It's going to be available on YouTube, just so you know, if you want to watch it again, because I have been. I want to take a second to also thank the worship team, everybody who has been a part, who is a part of our worship ministry, especially Alex, who's been leading as our worship director for a number of years now. And these past few months, I don't think that's what he expected to do as worship uh, director. He's been the consistent and constant face and voice on our screens, helping to prepare our hearts, refresh our souls with beautiful music so that, so that we could all gather virtually in worship of our King. I want to announce that Alex is stepping down from his role. He's not leaving Church of the Beloved, but he's stepping down from his role as worship director. So uh, he wants to seek out a new career path. At the end of service, I want to dedicate a moment to lift up Alex in prayer, he and his wife, Alana, uh, as they enter into the next chapter of their life and their journey. You'll be seeing a new face as of January. His name is Jonah Wright. He's a son of one of our former pastors, Pastor Chris. He's going to be stepping in as our interim worship director for a period of time as we start searching for a new permanent uh, Church of the Beloved worship director. Now, if this is your first time joining us today, I'm Pastor Abe. I serve our Wicker Park campus. And, you know, actually, let me, let me do that again. I'm Pastor Abe, and I primarily serve our Wicker Park campus. Now, I want to say this because, you know, this pandemic has taught me something. It's given me the honor and the privilege to, to serve, to, to love, and to pray with uh, and for all of Church of the Beloved, for the Wicker Park, for the downtown, and the South Loop campus. And I do really appreciate and thank you all for allowing me to be part of your lives as much as you all have been a part of ours, mine and my wife's. One last thing I want to say before we dive into today's message. Uh, if you have not noticed, the past few weeks, not today, thankfully, but the past few weeks have been a little challenging from a technology perspective. We've had internet issues, we've had hardware issues, we've had software issues. And I just want to say thank you so much to all those who are sitting back there right now, the AV team, who have been serving behind the scenes, led by Gabor and led by Liv. The, the entire team have been working tirelessly so hard every single week, making sure that the sound is good, the video is working, the stream is up. They've been doing this every single week since the pandemic started, tirelessly, without a break. And so, they're getting a break, a well-deserved break. As a result, we decided that next Sunday, we're going to be releasing a pre-recorded service at 10 o'clock, just so you know. It's still going to be at 10 o'clock, though. I mention this because 2021 is almost here, finally. A new year, and we are looking for folks who will help us, who are interested in volunteering to help us with our live stream. I have high hopes for the vaccine, and as soon as I'm allowed to, I'm going to be getting it myself. But I know it's still going to be a minute before we're going to be able to gather together as we would love to. Uh, until then, we really could use your support, volunteers who are interested in getting involved in the operations of our live stream. So if you're interested, please email me or email 
info at cotv.life. All right, so getting to the, today's message. This is the end of a three-week sermon series on the Trinity. The goal that I had for this short Advent sermon series was to present to you the members of our triune God, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that each of us listening might have a better understanding of who it is we are waiting for during this Advent. Because you see, as, as Christians, we believe in a Trinity, the Trinity, the triune God, one God that is three distinct beings, each fully God. And we believe and we are waiting for a God that is the perfect community that has always been and will always be. They are one, and he is three. Now, the third person of the Trinity that we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit. And before we dive into and see what Scripture says about this third member of the Trinity, I'm going to ask, will you join with me as we pray? Let's pray. Sovereign Father, we gather together because you have called us to worship you. We gather together because we want to give you all the honor. We want to give you all the glory. So may the words of my mouth be a conduit of your truth alone, God. And may your Holy Spirit speak through me now. And I lift this prayer up to you, God. Amen. Now, I want to start by giving a personal opinion. I want to say that, in my opinion, the Holy Spirit's name is a little unfortunate. You know, because his name is Spirit, or sometimes Ghost. So people will often view the Holy Spirit as kind of like a non-entity, a non-corporeal being that kind of just floats around, uh, shows up at the end like a Scooby-Doo episode or something. It, you know, for me personally, when I hear the term Holy Ghost, unfortunately, my mind automatically starts thinking, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. It's, it's just the way my mind thinks. It's the way I'm wired to react to certain vocabulary words like ghost. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. The Holy Ghost is a full participant of our triune God. He is a being who is God in his totality. See, the Holy Spirit is not an afterthought. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the I am. From the very beginning, the Spirit was there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was there at the start of Jesus' ministry. We see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. We see here, we notice that the Spirit rested and did not leave. He, he descended and he stayed with Jesus. And now the Spirit stays with us. He's, he's with us now until Jesus comes back. He went until Jesus comes to bring his upside-down kingdom that he's preparing for us. John chapter 14, verse 16 promises from God that he will give us, give you another helper to be with you forever. So the question I want to answer today is, who, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, the Apostle Peter, he wrote a couple of letters that are named after him in the Bible. And in the, in the first one, Peter writes of the hope we can have in, by the work of Christ on the cross. And I think he provides a really good summary of the Trinity, of our triune God as well. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, 
according to the foreknowledge of the F- God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. So in this passage, Peter is painting a picture of what the roles of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in this perfect and holy community. Peter writes that God, the Father, foreknows. He, he knows about everything before it happens. God, the Son, sprinkles or sheds his blood, and God, the Holy Spirit, sanctifies. Said another way, the Father makes a plan, the Son executes the plan, and then the Holy Spirit applies that plan to us, to our lives. See, the Holy Spirit is the active presence of God in this world, in our church, and in your life. And this active presence, it blesses and renews us. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15, it paints this picture of us as being like a forsaken palace or a deserted city that stays this way until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, at which point everything starts to bear fruit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, the, uh, it quotes the prophet Joel from the Old Testament about the work of the Holy Spirit. And it says there, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. You see, the active presence of God in the Holy Spirit poured out on us, it promises us blessing. It promises us renewal through dreams and through visions. Now, I, I want to clarify something. I want to be clear about the term blessing because, unfortunately, that term has been kind of misused in the past. See, when I say that the Spirit blesses us, I am not proclaiming or preaching what has often been labeled a prosperity gospel. I am not saying that the Holy Spirit promises to make me rich uh, in this life on this earth. I am absolutely not saying that earthly prosperity is the sign that I'm looking for to, be, to indicate that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That is not at all what I am saying. What I'm saying is this, is that God, in the very distinct person of the Holy Spirit, will bless me and will bless me by transforming me into the person that God intends me to be by conforming me into the likeness of Christ, by making each of us more image bearers of God, by renewing us and replacing our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, hearts that beat with Christ. You see, the blessings, the the treasures, the the renewal I receive from the Holy Spirit, these are those that I, I will enjoy for all eternity, not just for our mortality. We will get a flavor of these eternal blessings now while we're on earth, but the blessings of God through the Holy Spirit is something that prepares us to enter the presence of our everlasting Father, to enter into the new kingdom that Jesus is preparing for us. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 to 28, it says this, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. You see, the impact and the promise of the Holy Spirit is a transformation on the inside that leads to a transformation on the outside. 
my heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh. And, and this will lead me to live a life according to God's design, according to God's rules, God's statutes. And it brings me to the promised land, to the kingdom of God. Now, I've done this now for the last few weeks, and, and I've already started. We're going to jump around the Bible. We're going to see how Scripture presents who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to see through Scripture how the Spirit actively brings about God's presence into our lives, how, how the Helper and the Comforter, other names for the Holy Spirit, how the Helper and the Comforter uh, that Jesus' departure allowed to come is seen in each of us every day. And to make it a little bit easier and for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus on three, three of the many aspects of the Holy Spirit and how Scripture presents those in the third person of the Trinity. I'm going to look at how the Spirit of God empowers us, how the Spirit of God sanctifies us, and finally, how he unifies us. And I'll tell you that I'm going to do this all in less than 10 minutes. So hold on. Ready? The first one is this. The Holy Spirit empowers by, by giving life and by enabling ministry or enabling service. The first half of Psalm 104, verse 30, it says that when you send forth your spirit, they are created. It is the role of the Spirit of God to, to give life to the creatures of earth. Job chapter 34, verse 14 and 15, it tells us what's going to happen if the Holy Spirit were to leave us. It says there, if he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. The Holy Spirit is the creator and the maintainer of life on this earth. And the Spirit is also the one by whom he is the creator and maintainer of our new life in Christ. John chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, Jesus is explaining this truth to Nicodemus. And when he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So the Holy Spirit empowers us by giving us in giving and sustaining our life on this planet. And the Spirit also empowers or enables us to serve, to serve one another for the sake of the gospel. You see examples throughout the Old Testament of the Spirit of God empowering, providing divine capabilities. Exodus chapter 31, it tells of how God filled Bezalel and says, with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, this is so that he could build the temple of God. In Judges chapter 15, it tells of how the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson and, and it allowed Samson to, to break through bindings and, and beat back a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. 1 Samuel chapter 16, it tells of how the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward after David was anointed as the next king of Israel. And so the Holy Spirit now empowers, equips David to do God's work as king of his chosen one. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it speaks to us of the Messiah. And it says that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And it describes this Spirit as the one uh, Spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, of fear of the Lord. This is the Spirit that descended on and stayed with Jesus at his baptism in Matthew. And for us, and to the faithful, in this period between Christ's resurrection and his return, as we, as Christians, wait for him, we're promised this same spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is, Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
until the ends of the earth. Now, the second aspect of the Holy Ghost uh, that actively brings about God's presence in our life is that he sanctifies us. And what I mean by that is that I mean the truth of God's presence in my life causes me to believe and to behave differently. See, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, for example, it, it led Mother Teresa to leave the comfort and conveniences of her Western life to live with the most vulnerable in Calcutta, India. Being sanctified by the Holy Ghost is leading our very own Pastor Otua to step out of his comfort zone and to begin the process in earnest of planting a new church for the kingdom. Being sanctified by the Holy Spirit is the ongoing and active presence of God within us that transforms us from the inside, that changes how I believe and how I behave. The, the latter part of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, but, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The washing, the sanctification of the Spirit of God. See, Scripture even provides us details of how we can see that being manifested, how we can see the fruits or the evidence of this ongoing and active presence of God in our lives, of, of this ongoing sanctification. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Finally, the third person of the Trinity unifies us. In Acts chapter 2, Luke writes about the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and filled the apostles. He empowered them to speak languages they had never spoken before, resulting in 3,000 souls coming to and accepting Christ as their Savior. After that, as a result of that, we see in verses 44 and 40 through 47 that they came together as a community. It says there, and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, Paul closes out his letter to the church in Corinth. And he prays this prayer. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, the kononia of the Holy Spirit be with you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul emphasizes this unity between Jews and Gentiles by explaining that for through him, through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Paul reminds the Ephesians as well in chapter 4, verse 3, that they're called to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The work of the Spirit is to unify the church, and, and, and it's to bring it about through the diversity, the fellowship of a diversity of believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says that to each is given the manifestation 
of the Spirit for the common good. That the diversity of the church is enabled. It is intentionally empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit, and it is for the sake of the church. It's for us to be unified. There are many other aspects of the Holy Spirit that Scripture points to. For example, you know, the, the Spirit of God provides us wisdom. The Spirit of God provides us truth. He gives us assurance. He gives us hope. I'll tell you, my goal is not to give you an exhaustive list. Um, but rather, I wanted to just present to you a flavor of who the Holy Spirit is. My goal over the last three weeks has been merely to introduce to you, maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's for the hundredth time, who it is that we are waiting for, who it is that we worship. Now, I've been married nearly 20 years now, and I am constantly reminded that there's always more that I can learn about my wife, Suzette. You know, every day is a school day for me. Every day as I live with her and I love her, I get to know her more, especially nowadays. Uh, and this is true for you and God the Father, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. During this Advent season, I, I wanted to take a minute to just remember this, that, that as we anxiously wait for the return of our Savior, we got to take the time now to know him more. To, to know who it is we as Christians are waiting for. Because we're waiting for Jesus Christ. We're waiting for the Son of God to return to earth, to bring back the upside-down kingdom that he's been preparing for us to live with him. For, he's been doing it for thousands of years. And this Son of God is a distinct person in a perfect relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, the Son of God, all three of them are one. And together, through the Spirit, he works within us to transform us, to empower us, to sanctify us, and to unify us as a body of believers, as a family. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team, if you guys can start making your way back up to the stage. I'm going to say that this is probably an especially hard time for many this Christmas. Some are isolated, some are alone. Some are unable to visit family because of the risk doing so would pose. You know, there are no holiday parties or dinners or get-togethers unless you have a quarantine or something like that. You know, you're probably spending way too much time on Zoom or FaceTime or Google Meet. This is not the community that God intended, but it's the community that we have right now and the one that God designed. Because in the midst of all this, in the midst of the isolation and the separation, during, during this time of waiting, we are reminded of something better. We are reminded of something greater. We, we're being reminded right now that in the perfect community of our triune God, we have a model to strive towards. We have a helper and a comforter in the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered. We can become sanctified. And we can become unified as a family.